We expect a rock fight on Saturday at Kinnick Stadium. What are the keys to beating the Gophers? We got that for you today. Plus, old friend David Eichold from Hawkeye Insider on the Iowa Beat stops by to break it down today. Locked on Hawkeyes. You are locked on Hawkeyes. Your daily podcast on the Iowa Hawkeyes. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hey, welcome in. I'm Trent Condon, and this is the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. Thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We're available wherever you get podcasts, and you can also find us on YouTube. While you're there, make sure you hit that subscribe button. Helps us get in front of more Hawkeye fans. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash college and use code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE for a first deposit match up to $100. That's prizepicks.com slash college with the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. Let's get into it. Here is we are inching closer to another matchup in the Big Ten West. It is Minnesota on tap next. The Gophers come in to this one with a 3-3 three and three record. Did not look very good their last time out. An early pick six and Michigan race them off the field. Though, We'll get to a little bit later. Michigan in hot water once again with the news of them uh, potentially stealing signs from teams and some scouting that was happening that is not allowed by NCAA and Big Ten rules. Maybe that uh, makes things look at least a little bit different for the Gophers their last time out. They did have a bye last week, though, and certainly believe that's important. We know how banged up this Iowa football team is right now and the injuries that they've been dealing with, and they continue to pile up from Eric all this week lost for the season with the ACL, the former injuries to Cade McNamara, uh, what they're dealing with, obviously with Luke Lachey and though the hope that maybe he could come back for a bowl game. There's no sign of him coming back defensive line. Why a black? That is a huge one as we continue to wait on what's officially going to happen on that front. Now, the more that we've dug into that more and more, maybe unlikely it seems that he's going to be able to give it a go on Saturday. We'll hope. Uh, sound like Kirk was certainly more optimistic than I thought he was going to be on Tuesday about the possibility. Kelvin Bell also had a press conference in the middle of the week and got to hear from him. And we'll get some comments on that from David Eichold. He was part of those conversations uh, being on the Hawkeye beat here coming up in just a little bit. But as the injuries pile up, well, Michigan has injuries of their own, including their top running back. And that's where this team is built. Eaton Kalamanis has not certainly developed in the way that I think a lot of people anticipated. You saw him last season. He had a monster performance at the end of the year against Wisconsin, threw for over 300 yards in that game, and they thought potentially the young quarterback was starting to turn the corner. That has not been the case this year. The turnovers have continued. Six picks this year against six interceptions. He's thrown for just shy of 800 yards on the year. They are once again built on the ground game, and it is Darius Taylor. So, Darius Taylor has not played their last two games. He's basically had three weeks off with a leg injury. The anticipation is he's going to play. But with P.J. Flack, old Phil Flack, our neighbor to the north, he does not like talking about injuries. He is very, very uh, a guy that just does not want to talk about it, does not bring it up. And we will find out really probably with the availability availability report uh, that is available two hours before from the Big Ten if he is going to play. He's special. He's a difference maker. And after seeing what Mo Ibrahim has meant to this team, just the ground game in general with Minnesota throughout the years and 
even in the PJ Fleck regime, they're a team that is built that way. Very big up front. So a couple of keys to this one. And we know about Iowa, the limitations that they have offensively. And the warm and fuzzies that we got from the victory a week ago against Wisconsin certainly does not negate how much this offense is struggling and the pass game is struggling. One of four passing in the second half, you throw for 37 yards in a victory. That's fun. It's good. But there's going to be a moment where I was going to have to throw the football to win. To think that you're going to be able to rely on 82-yard touchdowns like they got a week ago against Wisconsin, week in and week out, it's just unlikely. And take that away, the ground game is improving. There's no doubt. That offensive line seems like they're starting to really work their way into shape. Rusty Feth getting the veteran out there, the Miami of Ohio transfer, that has been a plus. And though the numbers from Pro Football Focus aren't pretty by any means, he just has added that element to this team. A little toughness out there. To go with guys that have been around for a while, I think that they're starting to click. Logan Jones, the issues that we talked about a season ago for him have not been at the same level. He's playing some good football. Connor Colby, he's been banged up. Mason Richmond's been banged up, and maybe his best play of the game came on Saturday when he knocked the deflected ball away from the uh, defensive lineman from Wisconsin, negating which would have been an interception and likely would have put Wisconsin in position. They would have got the ball inside the 25-yard line in position to kick a field goal that would have given them a 9-7 lead. Instead, it was an incomplete pass because of Richmond's hustle there. So this offensive line's improving. The running game is improving, but you still have to get something out of the pass game. And that goes back to Deacon Hill. I think you got to continue to take shots with him. Wisconsin, their defensive coordinator, Joe Rossi, we talk a ton about Phil Parker, and we should because he's an absolute stud. He is great at what he does in putting his team in position week after week. He's a wizard. He is absolutely incredible. Joe Rossi, since he's taken over the Minnesota defense, though, he's been really good, too. Remember early in the Fleck regime, this is a team that could move the football, but they just struggled mightily defensively. That has not been the case here as of late. He's done a really good job, took over, uh, what, 2018. It was in a full-time role as a defensive coordinator and has built. First year, Little Rocky, and since then, they've been at an elite level year after year after year. Maybe not in an Iowa level, but really, really good defensively season in and season out. And you know he's going to have a game plan where they're going to do everything possible to shut down the Iowa running game and make Deacon Hill beat them. So two ways. First, it's got to be those plays up the field. We know the accuracy is not there. He is not good in the short and intermediate throws. He just isn't. And with experience, can he get better? Sure, but he's never going to be, I don't think, even at a good level in those aspects of the game. What he can do is chuck the ball down the field. So you got to take those shots. And you got to take those shots with some play action. Iowa has not utilized a ton of play action really throughout the course of the season. A week ago, it went away. Now, it went away because they didn't have to throw a ball a ton, but I think that needs to be a component here. And another thing, scrap the five wide receiver stuff. Even when they have a running back in the game and they go five wide, look, Iowa, when they are set up, teams are going to be geared up to stop the run. And it doesn't matter if it's first and 10 or second and nine or third and four, they still know that Iowa's going to run, want to run the football. And when you go with that five wide receiver, look, it completely takes out any element of a surprise of any kind of run threat. I was not good enough offensively to do things like that. Scrap it. It doesn't work. You don't throw the ball to your wide receivers enough as is. Your your tight ends now are so deplete, cliche and all out. Just go away from that. Rip those pages out of the playbook. Completely get rid of them because they don't do the things that you need. You need play action. You need at least the ability in the passing game to show that you are going to run the football. Bring back the waggle, bring back the drag routes from a tight end, even a wide receiver, a guy like Ragaini, 
coming across the middle. That's what you need. And of course, the shots down the field. And when you look at Wisconsin, excuse me, Minnesota this year, they have struggled mightily getting off the field. Both third and fourth down uh, defense has been amongst the worst in the country. That is where Iowa is going to have to make those third and manageable plays, keep the clock running. With the defense that's banged up in its own right, possibility of why Black not going, even if he does, how is he going to be health-wise? You want to obviously run the clock. And Iowa, I was so shocked last week that they were able to win time of possession against Wisconsin. Going to need to do something at least close to it. Again, can't afford those games where the defense is on the field. 35, 38, 40 minutes just can't happen. There's a team that's going to grind you with that big offensive line that they have. We saw Joe Evans a week ago. He's limited because of injury. The Matt Black injury definitely need to do that and pick up those third and manageables. And the final thing is when you get the red zone, you have to score and score touchdowns. Red zone defense has been an issue for the Gophers this year. That is where you need to go. Now, Iowa might only get in there a couple of times, but if they can get in there and get two scores, get a touchdown and a field goal, I think Iowa's going to be in really good shape. This point spread continues to hang around the three and a half mark, but the total continues to drop down. Absolutely incredible of what we're seeing on that front. We continue. We hear from a man on the Hawkeye bait. He is David Eichel back with us once again. Always enjoy our conversations with David. He uh, joined myself and Ken Miller earlier this week on my radio show on KXNO. We got that for you coming up. And we take a look around the Big Ten, including who's the dark horse in the Big Ten West. If it's not Iowa, it's not Wisconsin. Going to be the Gophers or somebody else. We'll do that as we continue Locked On Hawkeyes. Today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. The easiest and most exciting way to play DFS is just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more or less on between two and six player stat projections and then watch the winnings roll in. Prize Picks offers weekly promotions that can lead to big payouts. They got their Taco Tuesday every Tuesday. Prize Pick discounts select player projections up to 25% to provide even more value. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stat types. What make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app? So, all right, I got my picks up here for this evening. This is what we got coming up this weekend. And I took the Iowa game, I took Iowa, Minnesota. Deacon Hill and Calic Manis, the two quarterbacks. And then the biggest game of the Big Ten this weekend with Kyle McCord and Drew Aller. I took more than 184 passing yards for Aller. I took less for Kyle McCord and that great Penn State defense at 233 and a half. For Calic Manis, I think they're going to have to throw the football a little bit. I went over more than 116 and a half pass yards. And with Deacon Hill, the number is 99 and a half. Yes, I went less than that. You put all four to those together. You hit them four times your amount that you put in there. That's how you do it. As simple as that NFL, college football, NBA right around the corner. They got you covered at prize picks, prize picks.com slash locked on college. That is where you go. It is prize picks.com slash locked on college. And when you're there, use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Pricepicks.com slash college with the code LOCKEDONCOLLEGE. With that, daily fantasy sports made easy. 
March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Trent Cotton back with you once again on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. Time to hear from the man on the beat from HawkeyeInsider.com. He is David Eichel. David Eichel, Hawkeye Insider, part of 24-7 Sports. David, as always, thank you for uh, finding time for Trent and I. Good to speak with you. I guess uh, right off the bat, just uh, since you heard from uh, Coach Bell, any update on uh, Y Black, who I was shocked that he's on uh, on the depth chart. I think it's great news. Obviously, he's playing very good football. But, boy, when it happened, it looked as though he was in a lot of pain, and that looked like a shoulder to me. Any update, David? Yeah, appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, I mean, I was just as surprised as you, and I'm sure many other people and I saw his name on the depth chart of course if people remember correctly he had a sling on his arm and it looked like he was going to be out until I would say at least after the bye week but remember Minnesota is his home state school he's the only Minnesota native on this Iowa roster and he's really emerged I think over the past couple of weeks Kelvin Bell did say that YA did not practice today but Kelvin refused to rule him out of Saturday he mentioned Mm -hmm. that he didn't see Joe Evans practice until Saturday morning when he was warm enough to play last weekend. Uh, so, you know, and why is a tough kid? I mean, he's physically one of the most imposing defenders Iowa has. And, you know, initially when the injury happened, I know Iowa was not optimistic, but why is that I can take the pain? I want to play. And, uh, you know, if it's why decision at this point, I believe he is going to play, but, uh, Definitely going to be interesting, a storyline I do think will go right up until game time. Even with YA Black, if he plays, you wouldn't anticipate it's going to be a full go. He's not going to play 60, 70 snaps, anything like that. So you go a little bit deeper inside after Logan Lee. We've seen Aaron Grays and his emergence mm-hmm. also over the last couple of games. What's left after that? Who else are we looking at at defensive tackle? Yeah, Kelvin Bell said Jeremiah Pittman would take a lot of those snaps. He also mentioned that Ontario Thompson is close, but he's just not ready at this point. Ontario Thompson has been really good on special teams when he's been in some of those special team snaps, had that punt block a few weeks ago. And I do think he'll be a really good player down the line, but it sounds like it'll be Logan Lee, Aaron Graves, and Jeremiah Pittman would kind of be the free man rotation at D tackle. I would also throw in Deontay Craig could potentially slide yeah. in as well. He played some defensive tackle last year as well. Kelvin did not mention him, but I do think that would be something at least worth paying attention to because I do think Iowa feels a little bit better about the depth at defensive end rather than defensive tackle. And of course, you know, if Noah Shannon would be ruled eligible, mm. he'd be on the field as well Saturday. But uh, I think we're going to have to wait till past the bye week to see that one. Yeah, it doesn't even sound like the committee is even going to be talking until next week. So I. I think the likelihood There's of that is thing is zoom. I think it's ridiculous. Right. So they can't make time. Yeah, you got to go the four really. seasons. Got to make it happen. David, you got to use that vacation. Get on the plane and, and, oh, yeah, absolutely. Five star hotel and the, spend that per diem. You know, the NCAA bureaucracy and that's the way it's done. Hey, you mentioned Jeremiah. Well, I, don't have, I don't know how they have any money left. They spend <laughs> hundreds of millions of dollars against, you know, a lawsuit that yep. they were never going to win. Yeah, yep. Good money. So, if you can get it. Hey, 
Jeremiah Pittman. <laughs> it felt like he was emerging last year. We really haven't seen him this year. You know, is he in the doghouse? Was it because it felt like that was a guy that was going to help out also this year, and we just barely have seen him? Yeah, you know, I don't want to say he's in the doghouse. I think, you know, from what I've heard, he's been pretty good at practice. He's done some good things. He hasn't done anything wrong, in my opinion, and based on people I've talked to. I just think that the guys that are over him are just that much better at this point. I just think that, you know, they do trust Pittman. He'd be the last guy they would trust in the middle outside Deontay Craig and some of the other guys that are close. But you also look at the guys in the middle, right? Like Logan Lee's been fantastic this season. I don't think he's getting enough credit for what he's done. I think Aaron Graves, you know, his his statistics aren't eye-popping, but if you watch on film, the amount of pressure he's taken off the edge rushers and making lanes for, you know, Jay Higgins, who's second in the nation in tackles with 87. Nick Jackson, who I've said gotten better week after week. Sebastian Castro, who I personally think was robbed of, Big Ten defensive player with what he did. Just watch the, I mean, just use your eyes and watch him, right? Um, You know, so I don't think he's in the doghouse necessarily, but it's almost like every other position at this point, guys. Like, if you're healthy, you're probably going to play because at this point, it's easier to say who's healthy than who's not healthy. Um, I know this is going to sound like a criticism of Minnesota's offense, and it's going to sound weird coming from somebody who covers Iowa <laughs> when it comes off it. But Minnesota's <laughs> not very good either no. on offense. This thing's got underwritten. What does Minnesota do well? They don't run the football. The kid that uh, – the freshman that was in there, can't think of his name, got hurt against uh, – um, believe is Northwestern, but what do they do? Well? Taylor. That's the one. Yep. Thank you. What do they do? Well, yeah, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I think they have a strong, I think they have a decent offensive line. Uh, you know, Chris Altman Bell, their seventh year wide receiver. who's Jordan Bohannon. I think plus, I would, you know, maybe Chris Altman Bell is like the animal house guy who has been in college for seven or eight years. Mm-hmm. He has doctorate degree. I know he's been hurt. Maybe he's, you know, his stats is up in the air, I believe against Iowa as well. But, you know, Avin Kelly McManus, I've always thought, had some tools to be pretty decent. I agree. Yep. But he has not really panned out this year. And when he's gone up against good competition, he just throws up some ducks. And, you know, I'm not going to be surprised. And, you know, you mentioned about criticizing the offense. Man, Ken, I'm not going to lie. I, will, I won't be surprised if, if Cooper DeGene scores in this game on to. a pick six. And yeah. it might be the only touchdown in the game. I think. Thinking back to this Wisconsin game, I think Chad Leistico tweet, of the Des Moines Register tweeted this stat out an hour ago. Iowa did not take a red zone snap last week Jesus. against Wisconsin. <laughs> that's, and this that's is kind of the point where we're at. It's 32 and a half, the over under right now. I'm not going to be shocked if it moves down to 31 and a half mm-hmm. or even 30 and a half. I think there's going to be a lot of late money on this uh, coming down the stretch. But they have a big offensive line. I still think they can run the football decent. And that, you know, Zach Evans, they have some decent players there. But with the way the Iowa defense is playing, I'm I'm really not going to bet a poor offense against this defense. It's just impossible for me. And the fact that I believe Minnesota has not won in Iowa City since the turn of the century. 1999. It was a long time ago. It was my sophomore year. Kirk's first year. Last time they won in Kinnick Stadium. Long time ago. So yesterday, Kirk was, I don't know, dancing on the grave a little bit, I guess, of Alex Padilla. I thought it was a bad look. Yeah, he struggles with that, doesn't he? He does. The continual throwing his quarterbacks under the his bus. His backup quarterback. Yes. And we see it happening now with Deacon Hill and the Joe Labus question. I don't think many people believe that Joe Labus is the answer, but Deacon Hill has had certainly issues. And for Kurt to say, oh, I don't even know what the stats are. Come on. You don't know his completion percentage is under 40%. Then you got some problems of your own right. 
What is it with Kirk and quarterbacks? You know, here, here's where I think. I think there's a fine line of balance. I know people want to talk about, you know, Kirk throwing his quarterbacks under the bus. You know, it goes back to Deuce Hogan. I believe he said, you know, I may as well have stayed home. I wouldn't yep. have traveled if Deuce Hogan had played. Yeah. And I think there has to be a certain level of competitiveness that comes out of the quarterback room because as a quarterback, you have to be the leader. You have to be the guy. You can't shy away from the face of criticism. You have to take it on the chin. And in my opinion, if, you, if you're a quarterback, if you're a backup quarterback, and you can't take that as a challenge to up your game or continue to progress or prove your head coach wrong, personally, I don't think they're suited to handle the, the pressure of being a Division One and power conference starting quarterback position. I, I think you have to rise above the pressure. And, you know, we saw Deuce Hogan when he left Iowa. You know, he was very loved by the fan base. It was a big reason a lot of those guys in that recruiting class came to Iowa. Certainly didn't hurt. But what's he doing at Kentucky right now? 14. I mean, it's no it's Is no that point. right? It's right. He had to walk on at Kentucky. So, he did. So, I think if you're if you're capable of being a starting quarterback at a power conference, I hate to say it, you take it on the chin and you go prove the coach wrong. That competitive fire has to come out of you. Otherwise, it, it, the competitive fire does not come out from you. When head coach says that, it's certainly not going to go. The competitive fire is not going to be set ablaze in front of 70,000 people inside Kinnick Stadium during a night game. We need to win to win the Big Ten West or against a primetime team. That's just my opinion, though. How about this? How about you find somebody that knows what they're doing with quarterbacks? You don't have a former offensive lineman that has no background as your quarterback coach. You put together a staff. You're off, your quarterback guru, you're bringing John Bidemeyer, was fired after one year as an OC. He doesn't have a great resume. Bring in somebody that actually knows what they're doing. Carson May can't play at Wyoming. Alex Padilla is a backup at SMU. You go down the list, and they're recruiting the last five years. They took Spencer Petras over Zach Wilson. They took Spencer Petras over Trey Lance. How about you find somebody that actually knows what they're doing at quarterback because we're talking about more than a half decade now where they have swung and missed on every scholarship quarterback. Yeah, and I, I think that was one of my big criticisms, you know, and it, it's that past Brian Ferentz. Like, I'm not just solely blaming Brian Ferentz. I know he's been quick to be thrown into the bus here, and rightfully so to some degree. But Iowa's just not been able to find really effective quarterbacks or guys that develop. I mean, I think that's been a curse of Kurt Ferentz's tenure. I mean, you think back to some of the best seasons that players have had, right? They're one-year wonders, or they regress. I mean, you think it was Drew Tate's best year, right? Sophomore year. Mm-hmm. Was you know R- Ricky Stanzi? It wasn't his final year. Or nope. DJ Beth? Well, statistically, it was fourth year. They just didn't win as yeah, many games. The, yeah, I mean the, the eye test though too. But you you know you look back at CJ Beathard, right? What happened to him is last year. But the only guy I would say stay consistent for the most part is Nate, Nate Stanley. Stanley. Yep. But Nate, but Nate Stanley never really progressed. You knew what you were getting out of him. He would show up in certain big games. He couldn't beat Wisconsin. He couldn't, you know, hit water if he fell out of a boat against Penn State. That was just, but again, I think everybody, every Iowa fan looks a lot more favorably upon Nate Stanley after what they've had to watch, you know, for the past four years. But I do think it's been one of the big criticisms in the Kirk Ferentz era. Like, it's not just a Brian thing. It's They have not been able to find a way to consistently develop quarterbacks. They get better and better. Oh, we shall see. David Eichel, what have you got coming up, David, uh, at the Hawkeye Insider? Anything you'd like to promote before we let you go? Uh, it's going to be just a busy time, guys. I mean, I'm going all in on women's basketball this year. Sean's taking men's basketball. And, uh, you know, we have a lot of recruiting stuff going on. And I am just so excited for the bye week. I might be trying to hit Circus Sportsbook <laughs> out in Las Vegas. Why wouldn't you? out of here for a little bit. Let's go hang out and relax. But, uh, HawkeyeInsider.com, and uh, I appreciate you guys having me. Thank you, David. We'll talk to you after the bye. Appreciate you coming on. Hey, take care, guys. Take care. Good to talk to you. David Eicholt on the Hawkeyes.
Big thank you to David for joining us here on Locked On Hawkeyes. And as always, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We continue a look at the Big Ten West. Who is the team to keep an eye on, short of, of course, our new favorite, the Iowa Hawkeyes and Wisconsin, who is right behind them in the numbers. We'll take a look at those numbers presented by FanDuel and what's happening with Michigan. The Wolverines cheating. We do that as we continue Locked On Hawkeyes. There's a lot of uncertainty in the world today, and it's important to be prepared. Life-saving antibiotics is something that can be a necessity in a lot of emergency situations. That's why you need to check out the Jace case. The Jace case is something that can help you out in an emergency situation. I think back to back when I was uh, this summer on family vacation. We're in the mountains, out in the Smoky Mountains. My sister, uh, sister-in-law and my mother-in-law got lost. And, you know, things like that, you just don't think about. Jace case, there is a solution for you. Natural disaster, disasters from fires, hurricanes, earthquakes. Here, of course, in Iowa, you have to worry about tornadoes, all that happening all over the country. It doesn't matter where you are. The Jace case is a personalized emergency medical kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat the most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can also customize your case and add additional life-saving medications based on your unique needs. The Jace case with those customizable Jace cases with dozens of add-on medications. Choose the medications that best fit you and your family's unique needs. Buy a gift card for your family or your loved ones so that they can get a Jace case of their own. What you want to do right now is go to jacemedical.com and make sure you enter the code locked on at checkout. That will get you a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at jacemedical.com. J A S E medical.com. Trying kind of back with you one final time on the Locked On Hawkeyes podcast. As always, thanks for making Locked On Hawkeyes your first listen every day. We got a lot going on. In this, And now Iowa, as they become the favorites, the betting favorite currently at FanDuel, Iowa, to win the division, they are minus 160, meaning to win 100 bucks, you got to put 160 down. To win 10 bucks, you got to put 16 up for that one. Wisconsin is plus 260. No surprise, even with the Tanner Mordecai injury, their schedule pretty light, short of the Ohio State game. Nebraska is now the third betting choice of court Huskers. At plus 650, Minnesota at 16 to 1, followed by Illinois at 30 to 1, Northwestern at 30 to 1, and finally Purdue at 95 to 1. So those are currently the numbers. Well, we know about Iowa, right? And I had this thought, you know, if I had to take a shot here, if I was taking a look at somebody else, I think it'd be the Gophers for me. And it came down to Nebraska and Minnesota. Now, Minnesota still has a very difficult game remaining on their schedules. They still have Ohio State uh, left, but they have. A lot of things in their favor in terms of the, obviously, the way the schedule sets up, including this week with Iowa. If they can pull the upset here, they're going to put themselves in a position. Now, the likelihood is, short of that game against Ohio State, second to last game of the year, they would have to run the table. They already have a couple of conference losses. You put that one on there. That gets them at 6-3. and three. Well, that would mean a win against Iowa coming up this weekend and a win against Wisconsin at the end of the season in the battle for the act. So that's the way that it kind of plays out in that direction there would be likely probably a three-way tie at six and three, and the Gophers would have the tiebreaker over both Iowa and Minnesota if that scenario would play out. Iowa's in a great position. The problem, Iowa is probably going to be favored in every one of these games. 
They also could lose every one of those games. And that's what you continue to get into with this team and their limitations. It's been great. Has a feeling. Biz brought this up yesterday, and it's a thought that had been rattling around in my mind, too. That's a game that has the feeling of 2021. Everybody's starting to finally buy in. Iowa up to second in the country. They're beating all comers. They had the win against Penn State. As unlikely as it was, they come back and get that victory on the big play to Ragaini, and everybody's in. And then how quickly it changed. And it changed because the offense couldn't do anything in that game against Purdue. And then the following week against Wisconsin. And the same thing happened here. Is every break going to go Iowa's way? Are they going to get that bounce? Is that interception that Richmond was able to knock away at the last moment? Is that going to happen? Deacon Hill's getting a lot of balls deflected. He has a very long release. It takes a while to get out, and that allows the defense alignment to get their hands up. Just absolutely something to keep an eye on. Coming up this week, we will be talking with LaShawn Daniels for your everydayers. He'll be with us tomorrow. Former Hawkeye running back, get his perspective and what he's seen in that ground game that really got going and on track. And for the first time in a long time, be able to do it against Wisconsin. It's going to be a tall task again this week against Minnesota. We will do that. Finally, what's going on in Michigan? Cheating again? Now, these are not things that are, I don't think, overly concerning, but They're bending the rules for Michigan, a program that likes to hold their nose up in the air, right? Likes to look down at many of the other programs in the Big Ten and that they do it right. Just a bad look. Jim Harbaugh is a weird dude. Would it surprise you if this comes to fruition is true? Absolutely not. It is just the reality of what it is. We'll be back with you tomorrow with LaShawn breaking things down. Thanks, as always, for making Lockdown Hawkeyes your first listen Every day, we'll talk to you again tomorrow, our final preview of Iowa-Minnesota here on Lockdown Hawkeyes. Go Hawks!